0: We said on last week, one of the things that we understand and we know that true joy comes from Jesus Christ alone. Everybody say true joy comes from Jesus Christ alone. I know that we all have our different things that we say that if I had that, uh, whether it's money or this person or this job or this career path, then that would give me joy. But that's that's not true joy. True joy comes through Jesus Christ alone. Can I get a witness? And as we look into this uh, book of Philippians, this first chapter uh, deals with joy in suffering. Uh, Philippians chapter one, joy in suffering. The apostle Paul, as he writes this text, is actually uh, in a Roman jail. And he writes, Uh, to encourage his fellow believers uh, in Philippi. And so when we look at this, uh, we pick up where we left off on last week. Uh, We're going to begin our uh, reading in verse number nine, Philippians chapter one, verse number nine, as we continue to talk about joy and suffering. Now, this is really important because, um, you know, most of us don't think of joy and suffering going together, do we? Come on, can we be honest? Can we really be honest? We don't think of that as going. To get. As a matter of fact, some of us don't don't really know what it from a biblical definition or, or, or what suffering means, or the, just just the term suffering. When you think about that, at its root base, uh, you know that word has several different meanings. One of them it means to permit or to allow or to to give leave to. You know, Mo, the scripture says in Mark 10 and 4, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement. And to put it away. He suffered, or he allowed it because of the sinful of, of man's heart. So sometimes uh, we, we are in a state of suffering where we're permitting stuff or we're we allowing certain things or we, 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 we give leave to it. That's one definition of suffering. Another definition of suffering, it means to experience or to go through or to endure. Everybody say experience? experience. To go through, go through or to endure. See, in the midst of experiencing something that may be detrimental, in the mission of going through something that may not be most pleasant, uh, in, the of, in, in the midst of enduring, can you still have joy? Paul here was in a Philippian jail, uh, you know, wrongly accused, but he has joy in the midst of his incarceration. The next definition of suffering is to put up with. How many of y'all have ever suffered with somebody for a little while? Can I get that? Any of y'all ever suffer with somebody? You know, it, it just, I'm just going to suffer it to be so for a while. But, but, but to suffer I mean, t- means to, to, the third definition means to put up with or to tolerate. Amen? Uh, I, I like, you know, the King James Version in, in, in 2 Corinthians 11, chapter verse 19 says, For you suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. And we'll look at that just, 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 just a short second. So it means to, to put up with or to tolerate. It means to undergo un, to undergo punishment. Also, that means to suffer. Okay, to undergo punishment. It also means to sustain loss. Amen. To sustain loss. Uh, it, when you look at Second First Corinthians, the third chapter, and talking about us when we get to the beam of judgment of Christ, the text uh, says to us that if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss. In other words, when you go to the beam of judgment of Christ, and you, we as Christians will all have to face the beam of judgment where we'll be judged on how faithful and we committed we are to our work of ministry. And when we get there to the beam of judgment of Christ, uh, that won't be judged whether or not we're going to heaven or hell, because whether or not we're going to heaven or hell has been decided when we accept Christ as our personal Savior. How many of you know if Jesus truly saves you, he has the power to keep you. And so, so once, once I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I'm truly saved, that he seals me unto the day of redemption. But all of us got to go before the beam of judgment to Christ and to be judged on our faithfulness to our Christian walk. And some of the stuff that we did, guys, quite honestly, going to be burnt up. Some of the stuff that we did... Uh, for the wrong reason, for the wrong motive, sung for the wrong reason, served for the wrong reason, want to get our name in the lights, want to back, have our name called. We we were looking to promote self, and when we get to the beam of judgment seat of Christ, that works gonna be burned up. We're gonna suffer loss. Are y'all with me today? And so and, and so it means to suffer loss, okay? So those are those are the varying definitions of suffering. But we're talking about joy and suffering in this first chapter. Look with me at verse number nine of this uh, first chapter of Philippians. And I want to. I'm going to. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to share some things with you about Paul. Even his calling, uh, Paul, we'll see, uh, was destined for suffering. And whether you realize or not, once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're going to reign with Him, you got to suffer with Him also. See, a lot of us want to reign with Jesus. We want to be in the kingdom. We want to put on our golden shoes and sit down and rest a little while. But see, while you're here on this earth, if you name the name of Christ, if you're going to reign with him, you got to also be willing to suffer with him. And too many times in today's church, nobody wants to go through anything. Nobody wants to put up with anybody. Can I get a witness? Nobody wants to put up with anything and suffer through and endure. So the moment that we get our little feelings hurt, the moment that we feel like, amen, it ain't all about me, we will get our Bible and go home or go somewhere else. But we got to learn how to suffer with him if we're going to reign with him. Can I get a witness? Now watch what the text says here. Philippians 1 verse 9 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and in understanding. Who's, Who's writing this text? Who's he writing it to? The church at Philippi, okay? He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and in understanding. Verse 10, let's read. It says what? For I want you to understand what, what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Verse 11, let's read together. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Verse number 12. Let's read it. It says what? And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. What is he talking about? He's in a jail. He's in a Roman jail. And he says, everything that's happened to me here, amen, has helped to do what? To spread the good news. Verse 13. Let's read together. It says what? For... For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of what? Because of, Christ, because of my witness, because of my testimony. How many of y'all ever suffered through some things because of your testimony? Have you ever been through th- something and, 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 and had a, a situation happen in your life because of your testimony for Christ? Now, I know all of us probably have suffered through some things because of our foolishness. But Paul says, I'm suffering and I'm, 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 I'm having joy, true joy in the midst of suffering because I am, I am in this jail because of my stand for Christ. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, that's a powerful thing to me, to know and understand that no matter what's going on in my life, if, if I can ever get to the point to where I still, amen, realize that my life and my witness and my testimony will help to spread the good news of Christ, and if it means that I got to go through some hard times to do, do so, so let it be. So let it be because I don't want anything to stop the spread of the gospel message. Look at what it says in verse number 14. Let's read it. It says what? And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message Without fear, the believers there in Rome now are now uh, uh, have boldness because they see Paul sitting in a, in a Roman jail because of his stand for Christ. Now again, let, let's go back and look at the Apostle Paul. Go to Acts, the ninth chapter, with me, right quick. Acts chapter number nine, and we're going to look at verse number ten. I want to show you, and because today we're going, my plan is. Everybody say his plan is. Say it again. Say his plan. Say it again. His plan is, is to cover those next three points on your outline. That's what his plan is. I covered the first three on last Sunday, right? So we only gonna get those these next three because I need you to see this. I need you to grasp this. Because if we're going to be a church that's having kingdom impact, if we're going to be a church that is advancing kingdom principles, we got to get out of this mentality of what can the church do for me? What what am I getting out of it? And what when when is my blessing gonna come? Now listen, blessings are beyond just some material things. Amen. God don't have a problem with us having a material thing, but we as a church got to get beyond this this, this soft mindset of that everything's gotta be easy, all the stuff got to be coming my way, and if everything ain't going good, God ain't right. Paul was in jail, guys, and he was rejoicing. Because the gospel was being spread. But I want you to watch this. This, this, this is something that was a part of his, 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 his walk and his calling uh, by God from the very beginning. Now, y'all know, how many of y'all know that Paul's name used to be what? Saul. And, and part of it, when he was still Saul, part of the thing that he did was went about persecuting the church. Come on, you Bible studies. I need y'all to walk with me right here. His name was Saul, and he went about persecuting the church. Amen. Thinking that he was a man doing something good, but he was persecuting the church. Now, on his way to a place called Damascus, something happened to him on the road to Damascus. Paul had a conversion experience. Everybody says life was changed. He, he had a conversion experience on the way to Damascus. He met the resurrected Savior, man, the, 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 the Savior who had, who, who, had, who had died on the cross and was buried and resurrected and had ascended back up in heaven. That very same Jesus met him face to face on the road to Damascus. Now watch what happens here. So Paul now gets saved and, and, and the text says it because once you get saved, there's some stuff that has to happen so you can grow so that God can use you like he wants to use you. I am convinced that, that the, the problem the church has today is that too many of our churches are just like the church at Corinth. We got a lot of folks who got saved, but ain't nobody growing. And, and people aren't growing because they're not willing to submit themselves to being discipled. Many people come here and, love, and, and people will come to church faithfully, but you don't have many who will commit to being discipled. Because discipling takes time, it takes effort, it takes denying yourself. And we're in this age where nobody wants to deny themselves. Everybody wants what they want when they want it and how they want it. And they don't want you to tell them that they can't have what they want when they want it and how they want it. So we have a problem. Because the Bible I read tells me that as a born-again believer, that there are some things that I got to suffer through. There are some things that I got to undergo. There are some things that I got to put up with if I'm going to have true joy. So, watch, watch. So, Paul Paul gets saved, amen. But now we're in the infancy stage of his salvation. So, can we walk through here? Watch what it took it. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Watch what happened. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Read on. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus, named whom? Saul. Still, name is still Saul, right? The very one who was persecuting the church says he is praying to me right now. That very Saul, who was going to kill some folks, throw them in jail. Amen. Uh, is now praying to God. Keep reading. Next verse says what? I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias. His God talking to Ananias, telling Ananias that I told Saul that, that there's a man named Ananias will come and meet you. Watch the text now. He says, "What he uh, says? I've shown him in a, v- a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Because when he was knocked off his beast, a man on the road to Damascus, he was blinded." Watch the text said. But Lord, now here, here's Ananias. Ananias is just like some of us. Watch the text. He says, "But Lord, uh, uh, but Lord, you, you you don't understand. I I I, I, I heard about uh, 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 Craig Paula. You know." And he ain't a nice guy. Uh, uh, Lord, I, I I I heard about Yvonne Barton. They say she mean. Uh Lord, I, I I you don't know. I heard about Laura Jones. They say Laura Jones tell you how the cow eat the cud. No. I'm just messing with you, Laura, okay. Kind of sort of okay. <laughs> now, Laura Laura's grown where I can tease her like that in the message, okay? Uh, but but watch it. Said, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Let's keep reading. Watch this. And he is he, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. And, and, and let me put a little on it. And you asking me to go talk to this dude? Yes, watch the text. Keep reading. Keep reading. He says, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my what? Chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Let's keep going. And I will show him, watch this, and I will show him, and I will show him, and I will show him how much he must what? Suffer for my name's sake. See, Saul, amen, from the moment that he got born again, his name was changed to Paul. His Part of his responsibility as a born-again believer was to suffer for Christ's sake. And I don't know if you even realize it, but part of your responsibility, when you name the name of Christ and you came into a personal relationship with the Savior, part of your Christian walk means you got to suffer through some things. But while you're suffering through, while you, what, what old definition I told you? Suffer, to suffer means to, 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 to permit or to allow, to give lead, to, to experience, to go through or to endure, to put up with, to tolerate, to undergo punishment, to sustain loss. While you are doing that... You ought to be able to still have joy. And that's what Paul was in his life. So, so from the very, very beginning, Paul, amen, was, was, was called out to suffer for Christ's name. Say, go over to Romans, the eighth chapter right quick. Verse number 15, Romans 8, verse number 15. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? Talking about joy and suffering in this first chapter. Because I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm fearful that the church has gotten soft and that believers don't want to endure anything. And if it don't come right away, we, 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 we got our grip and we gone, but God says we got to suffer through. So you have not received, watch this Romans, the apostle Paul writing to the saints of Rome says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slave. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him what? Abba father. Now keep reading. It says what? Uh, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are what? God's children. Next verse says what? And since we are his children, we are what? His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are what? Heirs of God's glory. But watch it, now. We are heirs. That, that means that we are, we are due to inherit his glory. But watch what the text says. But if we are to share his glory... Come on now. We must also do what? Share, share his suffering. And that's the problem in the church today. Everybody wants to share his glory, but but, but, but Mac, nobody wants to share his suffering. And that's what Paul is, 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 is talking about here in, in the book of Philippians, how it is that he's in the midst of, uh, 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 of suffering, uh, being incarcerated, being punished for the name of Christ. But yet still he's got joy because the gospel is being furthered. Go over in the first Thessalonians 2, second chapter verse number one got to keep running. I just want to set this up for you, because Paul knew what he was talking about in Philippians. From the very time of his calling, God, as he talked to Ananias, said that, listen, uh, yo, he, 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 you got, I need to show him some things that he's going to suffer for my names sake. Glory to God. Some of y'all would have been scared to go talk to Saul, too, wouldn't you? Come on now, if you knew that he was throwing folk in jail, who named the name of Christ? Even in, in some cases, sat by and watched an execution in cold blood. Remember when they stoned Stephen to death? Who held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen? Saul sitting right there watching him kill a man. And here God is telling you, go talk to that fool. <laughs> How many of y'all would have went and talked? <laughs> well, it was a, God came to him in a vision and it assured him, hey, listen, he's on my side now. Watch the text here. Can we read? He says what you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. Who's writing this text? That's very St. Paul who wrote Philippians. He says what? You know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you. What boldly in spite of great opposition. Next verse says what? Uh, So 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 you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Paul says, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with what? The good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. I got to ask you a question. What is your purpose for church? What is your purpose for, for 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 connecting with EBC or whatever church you're connected with? What is your purpose? Is your purpose to please people or to please God? See, see, we got to get to a point to where where it's no longer about whether or not what folks think. But what does God think? Watch this. He says, Paul says, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Verse five. Let's go. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. That's so what Paul says, amen. You got to watch out. Some folks want to hang with you for what they can get out of you. But Paul says, listen, Paul, he, he's talking to these the church that doesn't like it. He says, you guys know that we will not pretend to be your friends just to get your money. Verse number six, let's read. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Quit looking for people to pat you on the back. Quit getting your feelings hurt because your name is not called, amen. Whatever you do for God, do it for his glory. If he is being glorified, I don't care if Donald Adam's name is never even mentioned. If a thousand folks get saved, it, it ain't about me. We're going to praise whom? Jesus. And that's what Paul was saying. As for human praise, we have, we, we've never sought it from you anyone else. Verse number seven, come on, got to move. Says, as, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. Verse eight, we love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Wow, 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 wow. Stop right here. Stop right here. Paul says, not only did we preach you the good news, but here's the discipling part. He says, but we shared our own lives with you too. See, discipleship involves doing life together. And as we... Do this kingdom discipleship study coming up in the next couple of months, you're going to understand that it's about doing life together. See, many of y'all sitting here, and I, I love you to death, and you'll share the good news, but you ain't sharing your life with nobody. You still saying, Well, you know, I go to church, but you know, I don't let church folk get too close to me because I've been hurt before in the church. And listen, this isn't about the church, this is about your relationship with Jesus. Yes, Paul says this He says, we love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but we share our own lives with you also. How many of y'all are willing to share your life with somebody else to help them get better and you get better? How many are willing to share your life with some other believer so y'all can help sharpen each other? Keep reading. Let's go. I got to move. Man, this, this, this is a good, I could preach a series of sermons on this but I got to keep moving, okay? Watch what it says. Now, Paul said this. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you? Verse 10, watch what the text says. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Let's go. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Twelve says what? Let's go. Uh, We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Thirteen says, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when we receive his message, when you receive his message from us, you didn't think of our words, watch, as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is, and this word continues to do what? Continue to work. And Paul says, you guys didn't receive the word as it was just human words, or just human philosophy. Now, that's the question that I got to ask you today. When you come to church and you hear me preach or anybody else preach the word of God, how do you receive that word? Is it just a man talking? Is just the pastor telling us some stuff that he read? And so that's good stuff, but I'm not obligated to follow that stuff. See, a lot of people sit in church and they don't they don't receive the sermon as it is the word of God. They receive it. as just a message from a man. But Paul says these them believers were not so. He says you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe 14, 15, and 16. We're going to close it out there. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you watch this. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you did what? You suffered persecution. From your own countrymen. Watch this. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea who, because of their belief in Christ, did what? Suffered from their own people, the Jews. Watch this. He's talking to the Thessalonians believers who are primarily a Gentile church. He says, y'all suffer just like other believers in Judea who suffered from their own people, the Jews. why they suffer? Watch this, verse 15. For some of the Jews did what? They killed the prophets, and some even what? Killed the Lord Jesus. Now, watch this. They have persecuted us too. Who is us? Paul, talking about himself. They fail to please God and work against all humanity. Verse 16. As they, watch this, Watch this. Now, it's, it's bad when you hate people enough that you don't want to get them set, see them get saved. Like Jonah when he was sent to Nineveh, he went someplace else because he hated them so much he didn't want to see them get saved. The text says this, as they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles. See, Those there were certain Jewish believers or or those who are under Judaism who didn't want the gospel to go to the Gentiles or who thought the gospel was purely for Jews only. Can I put it this way? They were a little bit racist. They were saying, he says, as they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles, by doing this, they continue to pile up their sins. But the anger of God has caught up with them at last. I'm going to tell you something, God will deal with, with, with wrongdoing. He's going to deal with sin. So they suffered, this church was suffering because of their own people. And sometimes it's your own folks that do you bad. It's your own people, your own family that, that understand your ministry. They understand the fact that you really want to live this stuff, not just come to church on Sunday. I promise you, when you start living this stuff, the next family reunion that you go to, the next time you go over to Big Mama's house, and everybody's there. Those who go to church and just go, and those who are there who don't go at all, when you go there and you start to live this stuff out, somebody's going to come against you. Your own people. So Paul experienced, amen, this, and the Thessalonians and Believers experienced this thing also. So, guys, we see that Paul had, Paul had, uh, uh, understood this process and he's now teaching this and sharing this with other believers that, that your walk with the Lord is going to require you to go through some some things that are not pleasant. But count it all joy. Amen? Is that what he said in James? Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations? It's a trial your faith does what work in what? Patience. When patience has its perfecting work, you'll find yourself not lacking. Can I get a witness? So let's, let's look here again. So we said that uh, you know, last week we told you that uh, Paul here, when he began to share with them, he says, uh, number one, he says, uh, Paul used uh, three thoughts uh, to describe true Christian fellowship. He says, I have you in my mind, I have you in my heart, and I have you in my prayers. Everybody said, you in my mind, you in my heart, and you in my prayers. So, so we looked at that. We talked about the fact that the fellowship of the gospel is, is, is key to understanding Philippians, the fellowship of the gospel. But the second point we're going to go is the, the furtherance of the gospel. Look at the furtherance of the gospel. Look at these three points under the furtherance of the gospel. See, God will sometimes use some strange tools to help us further expand the gospel. And in Paul's case, there were three tools that helped him take the gospel into areas where it had not reached before. See, as a church, we should be concerned about spreading the gospel, the good news of Christ, amen, to those who have not, who, not, who have not heard it and those who may have heard it but have not responded. Our responsibility as a church is not just to sit here and look at each other and build each other up and get full on the word ourselves. If you're not putting any word out, then you're going to end up busting. Is that a word, Busting. On the inside, in other words, it's one thing to get full, but, but at some point in time, uh, come on, every human body is designed to, 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 to release some stuff, if you know what I mean. Some of us are sitting here and we're full of word, but that word ain't going anywhere. And, and pretty soon, you, you're going to have symptoms of being constipated. How many of y'all been constipated on the word? You got the word in you, but it ain't coming out. Let me make it real plain. Your human body has to release weights, has to release stuff and substance that's not utilizing your body to keep it going. And so so many times we in the church up here and we get constipated on the gospel, by that means we don't release it out to those who need to hear it. I should very point of question. When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? Just think about it a second. When's the last time you shared your testimony? and your faith with someone who was not already saved. It's been that long, huh? See, if, if, if we're not doing that, guys, we're not advancing the kingdom like God desires for us to do. So here, we're going to see here, God sometimes uses strange tools to help us further expand the gospel. Again, in Paul's cases, there were three tools that helped him to take the gospel into areas where it had not been reached before. Number one, his chains. Everybody say his chains. Go back to verse number 12 of, of Philippians chapter 1, his chains. He used his chains. The same God that used Moses' rod, the same God that uses, used David's slingshot, he used Paul's chains to get the message further into an area where it needs to reach. Because little did the Romans realize that the chains that they affixed to his wrists would release Paul instead of binding him. Paul in jail and getting people saved. Paul's in jail and the gospel is being furthered as a result of his chains. Being shackled. Text says here in verse number 12. Let's read together. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. What had happened to him? He was incarcerated. He was chained. Do you guys realize that the incarceration in this day with Paul was, was a little bit different than just having a cell by yourself. They actually had him chained 24-7 to a Roman guard. Here Paul is, the one who's writing letters, chained to somebody. Here's Paul who's speaking out Witnessing, don't you realize that those people who were chained to him heard some word? Here he is spreading the good news of Jesus Christ in a Roman jail. Amen? So instead of binding him, it was actually releasing him. Paul didn't complain about his chains. Instead, he consecrated them. How many of y'all have have learned that if you just stop Complaining about your problematic situation and start consecrating that thing to the Lord. The Lord will use that to advance His kingdom principles. Too many times we sit up and complain. Come on, can we can we be honest? How many of y'all? How many of y'all have, have, have it, it, so far this year? This is, this is the first day of March. How many of y'all have complained about some stuff this year? Oh, y'all want to play me like that, huh? If I were to call the Lord. In the, in, in, in the quiet confines out, let me ask you a question. Just because nobody was around, does that mean it's, it's not complaining? I hear somebody else you say, well, you know, I ain't told nobody. I just complained at home. Listen, baby, it's complaining, is complaining, it's complaining. You didn't do it at the job, but you went home from the job and complained to everybody at your house about the job. Hello? And if you will just Consecrate your job to the Lord. It would be a mission field for you because on your job you're going you're meeting people who you would otherwise not come in contact with, and they're watching how you handle life. They're watching how you handle situations. They're they're, they're watching how you handle problems. They're watching how you deal with disappointment. And you can use that job when you consecrate it for the Lord as a tool to witness. Can I get a witness? He didn't complain. Paul didn't complain. Uh, Instead, he consecrated those chains, and he asked God to use them for the advancement of the gospel. And God answered his prayers, guys. To begin with, these chains gave Paul contact with the laws. He was chained to a Roman soldier, as I said earlier, 24 hours a day. And those shifts changed every six hours. So every six hours, Gary, he had a new person he could witness to. Think about it in a second. Every six hours, they change the guard. So Paul has now got somebody else who he can share the gospel with. How many of you all really think that you would be so single-minded and focused that you are in a situation that you would think about Amen, preaching the gospel to somebody who needs to be saved? The one who's guarding you, the one that in theory is helping punish you. See, what we got to learn is that it doesn't matter where we are, Wherever God puts us, he wants us to use, amen, our testimony to reach whoever we come in contact with. So instead of, how about this? Instead of complaining every day at work, I need somebody to, to listen to me because I know we got some complainers out there. I feel, I feel in my spirit we got some complainers about work. I feel in my spirit we got some complainers about our home. Okay, look at me. All right, don't look at the other person that live with you. But do that person that live with you complain a lot? Just kind of blink your eyes. I know some of y'all scared. Some of y'all, some of y'all scared, you're scared. Because you, 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 if you go home, you'll get some more complaining. All right, now listen, watch this. Rather than complaining, man, why don't you just say, God, use me to transform this situation that I'm in, use me, God, to help to help bring joy and light to this place that I'm situated in. Use me, God, to be a vessel to honor you wherever I am. That's what Paul was doing, guys. See, true joy comes from Christ alone, and when you learn to be single-minded in purpose, man, it'll help you to to be able to do this kind of stuff. But you can't do this, you know, when it's all about you. So, so, so Paul was chained to these soldiers, guards changed every six hours, he used it as an opportunity to witness. Paul was able to get the gospel into that elite guard that, 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 that the Roman emperor had, amen. Something he could not have done had he been a free man. Guys, listen to me carefully. If we are living out our faith in the manner that Paul was living out his, we ought to see people around us experiencing some kind of transformation. In Galatians 2 and 20, I like what Paul says. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. He says, not I, but what? Christ lives in me, and the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was totally sold out. Now, I got to ask you a question, because you're sitting here, and I have no doubt that many of you all in here are saved. I'm, I, 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 actually, I also have some doubt. I, I also have no doubt that there's some people sitting here who don't even know what it means to be saved. All right, so let's, let's, let's assume that you're saved. Now, if, if, if you're saved, can you really honestly say that you're sold out? That you're single-minded in purpose. That you're focused so intently on spreading the good news of the gospel that that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you refuse to complain. And you look for an opportunity for God to use you to transform the situation. How many can really say that? I, I, I would venture to, to guess that not, it, it, it's few and far in between. That's where Paul was, Sherry. He was single minded in purpose, he didn't allow stuff around him to stop him from fulfilling his destiny. Y'all read it in Acts. Amen. God said, before he ever even turned him loose to ministry, he says, Listen, I need you and Ananias to show him. The things you got to suffer for my name's sake. So my question to you is, you're sitting here in church. Are you really that sold out? Well, I'm going to eliminate half of you right quick. I mean, I'm going to say no for you. All right. Here's why I'm saying no for you. Because to be sold out like this, you must commit yourself to being disciples. All right. Now, half of y'all won't come be, be disciples. I, I, I love you, but you won't come be disciples. You think that you can just come on Sunday and be OK. This is my pastoral mode now. You feel like, OK, that's enough, Pastor. I get it. I get up on Sunday and, 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 and really, Pastor, I don't need you trying to govern my time because I'm a grown man. What does the word of God say? Study to show thyself approving to God, a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly divided word the truth. You can't be totally sold out and single-minded if you won't submit yourself to the discipleship training. So, so go on, X yourself off right quick, okay? That's, 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 that's at least half right there, okay? Alright, here's, 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 here's some more, y'all. Let me get another 25%. You can't be really sold out like Paul was in, this, in, the, in the element, in the place we was in, if you don't have a prayer life, and you don't have any time that you spend with God on a regular basis. Because you can't be this single-minded without being fully concentrated. Let me ask you a question. Ladies, have y'all ever had a guy or dude that, that, that at some point in time, you knew he was into you so deeply as far as, as, far as uh, wanting a relationship? You, you knew you couldn't turn for him. Anybody ever had a guy been on you like that? Okay. this this, this, this is a little too raw for some of y'all here. Uh, But have you ever had a guy that every time you turn around, he wanted to build your house? Huh? Y'all remember that? Okay. Did you marry? Oh, you didn't marry him. Guys. Brothers. Hey, Brothers. Brothers. Have you ever had a woman that that was so 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 tuned in and single minded the purpose about you that that she called you all the time? <laughs> Somebody said no. See, see when you. When, when you're too busy thinking about your baby, you ain't got time. Deborah, I know you know what I'm talking about. You <laughs> see, see, when, when a person becomes so single-minded, they're just like that old R&B song: "Too busy thinking about baby, I can't, I ain't got time for nothing else." Listen, you used to hang out with the boys, but now Eric, when Liz came along, you tell the boys, "I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go." Liz, coming. Liz, coming. Liz, coming. Liz, coming. Single-minded. Paul was so single-minded. I give you those examples because some of y'all it came back to your mind. Some of y'all thought immediately about that dude you had in college. Nobody could have told you that y'all weren't going to get married, but y'all not married. At the time, you were so focused on him that that you couldn't think about anything else. As a matter of fact, you weren't even half doing your work. How many of y'all know that sometimes our kids get off the school and they get focused on something else and and, and they forget about what they were down there for? Because their mind was focused on that person. Guys, Paul, listen to this, listen to this. Paul was so focused on Christ Jesus and advancing the kingdom that that, that his mind was too busy thinking about Jesus. He didn't have any time for anything else. But Paul. Paul was was the recipient of God using his chains to further the gospel. Amen. The chains gave Paul contact with another group of people, the officials in Caesar's court. Amen. He was in Rome as an official prisoner and his case was an important one, guys. The Roman government was going to determine the official status of this new Christian sect that was gaining in popularity so here Paul is a representative of that, but Paul, even in his chains, gets an opportunity to spread the good news. So God used his chains to further the gospel. What is it that you have? What is it that, who do you know that God wants to to put you in contact with to further the gospel? So he used his chains. What what is it in your life he wants to use? Maybe he wants to use that car you just bought. Maybe he wants wants to use that house you just purchased. Use it to help to hold a fellowship, a small group that you can meet weekly and and share and begin to pour into. What is it that he wants to use? Maybe he wants to use you in that new position that you have. Now in that new position that you have, you get a chance to to pour into more people on the job. I keep saying work because I think sometimes we we don't realize that our workplace can be our mission field. Our workplace is not the place where we sit all day preaching because you can get fired for that. You got to do your work. But how many of you can testify to the fact that during the course of a day, you have ample opportunity to interface with people who, who you can share some personal details of your life with? And God will use that to help transform them. So He used His chains. Number two, He used His critics. Go to verse number 15. He uses critics. And, and while you're going to, he, here's the secret, guys. When you have the single mind, you look on your circumstances as God-given opportunities to further the gospel. And you rejoice at what God is going to do instead of complaining about what God didn't do. I got to repeat that. When you're single-minded and focused, guys, You rejoice, you look at at your circumstances as God-given opportunities, amen, to further the gospel. So right now, that circumstance you're in that you've been complaining about, look at it as a God-given opportunity to further the gospel. Are y'all with me today? Look at it, guys, because that's what it is. You rejoice at what God is going to do instead of complaining about what God did not do. Now, now, now. So, so let's let's look at this next verse fifteen. It says what? It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. Next verse says what? They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Watch this. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. Paul is saying, there are some dudes that are out there that their motivation is not right, but they're preaching Christ. Now, notice, notice Paul's mindset. I told you he was single-minded. He was too busy thinking about Jesus, and his mind was not, not on anything else. And some of y'all got your mind on everything else and not on Jesus. Jesus. Watch, these, watch what say says. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition and not sincerely. Watch what happens. He says, intending to make my change more painful to me. How many of y'all know Paul had some critics? And anybody who's doing anything for the Lord, you're going to have somebody who's going to criticize you. I'm going to say this in your own life. Guys, even in your own life, quit letting your critics define you. Quit letting your critics, your naysayers, your doubters determine your destiny in life. Why are you spending all this time wondering about who said what about you on Facebook? I don't give a rip. Are you listening to me? I'm just here to do what God told me to do. And I'm here to tell you, when you are honest and you're a man of integrity and honor, and you, when you begin to promote the gospel, when you call right, right, wrong, wrong, call a spade a spade, sometimes people aren't going to like that. But you better keep on calling it. Watch the text. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more painful to me. Look at verse, the next verse. It says what? But that doesn't matter. Because Paul single minded right? That doesn't matter whether their motives are false. Gary, or whether their motives are genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. See, sometimes we get hung up in looking at the vessel rather than the message that's coming through the vessel. Hello? Well, I can't listen to him because I, I know something about him. I can't listen to her. I know somebody. What was the word that was being preached? If God can use a jackass, it's in the Bible. He can use an unclean vessel and he's doing it all the time because he's been using you, he's been using me. And if we really honest about it, all of us are unclean, got some stuff in us that need to come out. Can I get a witness? So Paul says, I am so focused on spreading the good news. I know some dudes jealous of me and they glad I'm in jail because they feel this is their opportunity to get ahead, to get their name called, to have more preaching engagements, to preach more conferences. I know they got the wrong reason. Motive is not pure, but guess what? They're preaching Christ. And Paul says, Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. Yours, and I'm, I, let me say this to you: y'all. Listen, if you're really going to be used by God in a mighty way, you can't afford to be jealous of somebody else. As a matter of fact, why are you spending your time comparing yourself to somebody else? If you're going to compare yourself to anybody, compare yourself to Jesus Christ, and you'll always find that you're lacking. I refuse to, as a church, compare ourselves to somebody else and get jealous of that church because they're growing. If they're growing, people getting saved, their life being changed, more power to them. That's a, that's, grow up, you little baby. Come on. I, as your pastor, I need some mature saints who understand how this thing works. tell you going home complaining about everything. Okay, the thing you complain about, what do you do? What are you willing to do to change it? What are you what are you what are you willing to do to make it better? Don't just come and complain about problems, bring some solutions. And you and the folk who complain, they ain't got no solutions because they mind this on complaining. His critics. Paul Paul watch, watch this. He says what? But that doesn't matter whether their motives are p- false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Verse number 19, let's go. It says what? For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. He's writing to his saints at Philippi, who is sent for his necessity. He sent, the pathodized to bring him a gift. They remembered Paul. They remember how he ministered to them. And Paul's, Paul says, uh, you know, I, I just want God Jesus Christ to be lifted up. so, so God used some un, he used his, he used his chains. He used his critics to further the gospel guys. and lastly, he used his crisis. Because of Paul's chains, Christ was known and because of Paul's critics, Christ was preached. But because of Paul's crisis, Christ was magnified. He was made big. Can we go to the text? Go, go, go Look at verse number 20. He, he, he was magnified. He was made big. We want to make Jesus big around here. Hello? We want to make Jesus big around here. We want to make Jesus big around here. Watch what the text says. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Next verse, come on, let's read. It says, for, 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 for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. How many of y'all can say that? Because the KJV says for me to live is Christ, but to die, is Paul said, is gain. So Paul said whether I'm living, if I'm living, I'm I'm personifying Christ in me because he said I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ lives what in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith, what in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if I live, amen, Christ is living through me. And if I die, I'm gaining because I'm going to be with Jesus. So whether I live or die, I'm all right. Amen? If, if, I, if, if, I, if I leave this place in the morning, if I don't wake up in the morning, everything will be alright. Can I get a witness? Now look, I ain't, I ain't looking to go to the morning now. <laughs> but if I did, cry for a little bit, but just keep on moving because all is well with me. When you know Jesus... As your Lord and Savior. Amen. When you die, you're gay. I got to finish here. For to, me to, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. How many of y'all can say that it's, it's even better? But if I live, watch this, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Paul said I'm kind of caught in, in, in a twitch here. I don't really know which one is better. If I live, I can do more for Christ. And for me to die, it's going to be joy because I ain't got no more headaches and pains, you know, know, no, no more arthritis, no more anything. My body, I get a glorified body. So it's better for me to die, but it's good for me to be here, too. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which will be far better for me. Watch this. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. How many of y'all can say about the people in your life? It's better for me to continue to live. Some people say, well, you know, mm, I don't know. Don't be with Jesus. You don't want that. I mean, live in such a way that people want you to be here. Don't live in such a way that people say, well, you know. Yes, yes, well, you know, you know. Yeah, y'all know, all y'all know. If I don't wake up in the morning, it's going to be all right now. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Look at at 25 and 26. Got to close it out here. He says, Knowing this, I am convinced that I remain alive so I can continue to help all you grow and experience. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Experience what? The joy of your faith. Here, this man is in jail, is concerned about all of us, amen, experiencing the joy of our faith. Why would you be saved and miserable? I don't understand that. The God that I serve is a God, amen, who's a gracious God, who loves me unconditionally. Why would I be saved and miserable? i made a commitment and she's made a commitment. The joy of the Lord is going to be our strength. Does it mean we don't suffer through some things? Yes, we suffer through some things sometimes. We've had challenges in our life, but let me tell you something. Joy, amen, still it, because true joy comes through Jesus Christ alone. He says, listen, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. As your pastor, man, that's what I I, I, I think, God, I believe God's going to keep me here a little bit longer. But that, that, that someday my season is going to be up here. And somebody else going to have to come and feed this flock. But while I'm here, I want you to experience the joy of your faith. If I see your head down, I'm going to ask you, is everything okay? And so what's, what's the problem? Let's see if we put some prayer on it. Put some praise on it. Put whatever we need to put on it so that you can get that, amen, get, get your focus back on Jesus Christ. Be single-minded so that you can have the joy of your faith permeating throughout your life. Last verse. 26, Are y'all there with me? And we'll stop there. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason, watch this, to take pride in Christ Jesus because, because this man in jail, y'all, he's writing to the Saints of Philippi, Church at Philippi. He says, and when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Dude is in jail. Paul's in jail. has done more than what most of us have done in a lifetime. Gospel being furthered because of number one, his what? His chains. Number two, his what? His critics. And number three, what? His crisis. Joy and suffering. We'll close this chapter out next week. But I need you to get your mind right. Are y'all listening to me? I need everybody here to get their minds right. Because this going around with a head bowed down and, and all sulking because we're facing some issues and stuff. Listen, baby, that's a part of life. And learn how to handle it God's way. Learn how that you're going to go through some things. You've got to endure some things. You've got to suffer through some things. But God is able to give you joy. Chapter one Joy in Suffering. Every head bowed, everybody back close. Father, we thank you.